if you're doing A-B testing, one of those isn't going to work. So is that a failure or were you just testing something? So I probably use failures as a little, little strongly. So there's every day we are learning something new and we're saying, hey, what worked two years ago isn't working now. Let's shift this. And that's happened a lot across the board. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? I am fantastic, just wasting away here in Margaritaville. You know, I have a question <laughs> for you, actually. Yes. And that was going to be, what is your favorite Jimmy Buffett song? Um, I have to go with Cheeseburger in Paradise because I love cheeseburgers. And it's a great song, but I think that's my favorite. It, it is a great song. It's a really fun one to sing along to at a live Jimmy Buffett concert. I thought you were going to say changes in latitude, changes in attitude, because as well, I'm looking at you here, <laughs> for those listening to this only on audio, make sure you check out the video version as well. Matt is in my dream destination, any Margaritaville resort with, uh, with some sham pillows, <laughs> decorative pillows behind him that say changes in latitude and changes in attitude. <laughs> so is that one of your favorite songs or, or just because yeah, there's pillows there? there. There's, some, there's some good, uh, I think there's some good words of wisdom in that song. Would, would you consider yourself like a full-fledged parrot head? I'd say so, yeah. yeah. Which, it, it's tough living in Chicago. Uh, although he, he does come to this region every, every now and then. But uh, yeah. uh, there, was, there was a lot more, I would say, uh, parrot head devotion as, as a Florida resident. Gotcha. Yeah. But, well, you know, but, but just because I changed my latitude doesn't mean I changed my <laughs> attitude. <laughs> well, you know what I was going to say is that... Um, Jimmy Buffett and his team have done a great job marketing what he does, what he brings to the table, how you can be involved as a parrot head. And today, we're not going to talk to Jimmy Buffett, but we're going to talk to John Penny, who is also has a, an animal relation in his, in his firm, right? Black Dog Advertising. Um, but we're going to talk to him about all about marketing and advertising and really serving the tourism niche. I got to say, when we started this conversation off, I was thinking, all right, we got to come with this, come up with a segue somehow. And you nailed it there. I had no <laughs> idea how we were going to tie it together, but you did. Uh, yes, this conversation with John Penny is so fascinating. We get to hear a lot of, I would say, top level strategy and, and philosophy about marketing and advertising, and particularly how it ties to attractions, tourism, and hospitality. Uh, we cover so many topics like the importance of marketing, having a seat at the table uh, with many strategy decisions. Uh, we, we both get to uh, kind of have them elaborate on the HR and leadership aspect of marketing and then from the guest experience and operational aspect of it as well. Uh, so it's amazing to hear uh, kind of the, the perspective of how it all ties together uh, towards, you know, creating successful campaigns that help drive your business further. What I really love about what John talks about is the way that his team not only approaches 
their clients, but also the, the art and science of marketing and advertising, because he will build in um, time for them to do research and, and figure out how to stay on the edge, the cutting edge of what is new and trending and, and the things that are really going to help their clients. So, you know, it's the difference of, you know, working on the client's problem versus, you know, figuring out a way to take the client to the next level. Um, mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that they, they build in that learning time for the team. Yeah, totally. And, and all of that leading into helping the client exceed their goals and their uh, of marketing and advertising that then ties into their overarching business goals as well. So I'm so excited to get to this interview. Before we do though, what's your favorite Beatles song? My favorite Beatles song? Oh my goodness. Um, oof. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to really think about that. There's so many. Um, I mean, the, the reason that... why I ask is because you're sitting in Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Hotel wearing a shirt that says Come Together that's on it. That's true. So. I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's one of my favorite songs, but um, this is actually from Lagoon in Utah. A little shout out to Le- our friends at Lagoon. Um, and on the back, by the way, it says support your local amusement park. So mm. great t-shirt. Um, but if you're going to ask about my favorite Beatles song, um, I may have to get back to you on that. I'm going to have to go through my catalog and, and figure that out. So stay tuned. It's a tough question. It's a it tough is. Question. But in the meantime, let's get to this interview with John Penny. John Penny with Black Dog Advertising. Welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you doing today, John? I am fantastic. And I'm happy to be here in bed with you today. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, it's essentially yes. what I'm seeing in the background here. I, I, let's just go ahead and call it out before let's we get too far out. along. Exactly. Yes, yes. For those of you who might not be watching, I am in a hotel room. So that's John's uh, vantage point. But John, can you give us a little bit of uh, background on your career as we as we lie comfortably in bed together? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I'm a little irreverent, as you've already you've already gotten the, 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 the tea off of that. And I started uh, my career over 34 years ago, Uh, founded this company, Black Dog Advertising, um, 33 years ago. So I've been doing it quite a long time. And I like to tell people um, that I had a very unusual kind of brain for the time because I like to do programming. So I would take programming classes in high school and in college and also fine arts. Um, and there wasn't much of a niche for that uh, back in 1988 uh, when, I, when I graduated. And my first job out of school uh, was at Crispin and Porter, which is Crispin Porter Bogusky, which is a very large ad agency. Uh, they actually got uh, the, the 90s. They were the, one of the top agencies in, 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 in the world in the, in the 90s as far as creative agencies go. But we were not using technology at all. And I, uh, I actually talked to my younger staff and I, ta- I talked to them about T-squares and I go, oh, we would use T-squares and paste up. And there was, uh, people don't know what that is. And, and so we were doing everything manually. So I started to play around with computers and color printers that were just gen one and decided to go out on my own and open up my business. Um, and my first client was Crispin and Porter. They sent us me the work because I was able to kind of automate it. So that's kind of always been our mantra from the beginning is this mix of technology and creativity to facilitate um, you know, marketing ideas. Um, and 
we always try to stay right on the edge. Uh, sometimes that's very painful to be on the edge. So um, there's a, a fair of amount of experimentation. Um, there's some failures. You know, you kind of have to be uh, acceptant of that. And um, so that's that's kind of leads me here to to today, 33 years later, talking about marketing, which is something I love. Can you expand a little on, uh, you talk about staying on the edge. Would love to know if, if maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into that as far as what that means and kind of what that looks like within your business. Sure. So it, we, and we could do a better job at everything. Like I'm all, I always am like, when I start talking about us, I'm like, you know, this is where we want to be. And this is where we, what we are achieving. So I always think we could be better, but we just naturally, as part of anybody that works here, we assign R&D hours to everybody. And it's not billed to the client, it's billed to the agency so that we can always be learning, understanding new things because stuff, you know, again, I see just now the compression of advancement on things is just, it's, it's mind boggling. So if my team is not out there, if they're, if they're working on assignments all day long and they're not out there researching and understanding what, what is to come and learning, um, then we're gonna be behind. And our clients really count on us to kind of tell them before things are happening. So if by the nature of the agency, we're out there learning we, we assign time to each of every individual from somebody who's a creative to somebody who's in marketing strategy to go out and learn something. And we, we kind of have it as a loose thing, meaning you get hours to do that, but we want you to find something that you're passionate about. And then if you hire people that are very diverse, which we, we, we do here, um, you get a lot of things from a, a lot of different angles. And so uh, me as the owner, not only do I love that, that's exciting, but I have a team of people kind of helping me um, to be uh, smarter and our clients to be smarter. And that's kind of baked into what we do, right? So um, then everything from that stems from that because then you're bringing ideas and then you determine, wow, how could this benefit our clients? And as you know, our clients are tours, attractions, museums, and, and some resorts. And so we look and we kind of put that under their prism and say, well, you know, microscope and say, is this, would this work for these folks? Would this be uh, something that could help them? And then you have to look at the costs and the, and the logistics of, of making and executing that. Um, and so those things are all into, we, we evaluate. And sometimes I have presented things to clients that it took over a year or two for them to really say, hey, let's do this. Um, oftentimes they wait for somebody else to do it. We have some clients that are willing to do it right away. So it really depends on the clients. And then we have some areas where we just kind of work on stuff in house uh, in an experimental fashion and develop things on our own, you know, to see how um, that works before we roll it out to clients. So it's, it's a little bit of a it's not formulaic because I think it starts a little more organically about gathering because you don't know what's out there and you don't know what's trending until you, until you find it or you discover it and what a client is doing. So, and then we bring that back in here and we kind of work it and the, and the ideas that we think are going to benefit the clients now and in the future, um, we start working with the clients to kind of show them that vision. So John, can you, um, talk a little bit about how you got so involved in the tourism industry and in, in this niche, uh, because obviously advertising and marketing, everybody needs that, right? So how did right. you get kind of into this niche? 
how is it not the coolest niche to be in marketing <laughs> and advertising? I mean, first of all, if you had to pick from a drop list, wouldn't that be the one you would pick? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So it, it's evolved, but it, I guess our first travel and tourism client was in 91. And we, um, it's interesting, and I'll tell you, it's a, it's a client that we still have, which is also phenomenal, right? That's, that's kind of unheard of. Um, it's two gentlemen that uh, started uh, the businesses in Key West uh, that they own the Comp Tour train and, and a lot of other businesses in Key West. And Key West kind of had a downturn and they were visionaries and they were like, you know, we think we can do something here in, 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 in Key West, but we need to make it more appealing to, to tourism. The Navy was leaving town. There was a bunch of stuff happening and they they started to kind of build up these museums and attractions that started in Key West, but branched out all over the country. And I just kind of caught that bug with them because I think if you've been around and you two are great and you're passionate, and I've, I've seen you present many times and we always leave jazzed and, and want to implement the things that you guys talk about. And there's people such as yourself that really are inspirational in a particular area. And those it's Chris Beland and Ed Swift who are the two gentlemen that really started that and then a huge team of people and we just were lucky enough to be able to be their marketing firm initially um, and so that has led to um, us opening up Boston Tea Party Ship and Museum when I say us please know that I'm talking about my client and my team because we can't do it without the client I always do that when I it's it's us and we and so, uh, you know, from California to Washington, D.C., we've been able to open up uh, tours and attractions all over the country with that specific client. And they were the ones that um, they always have something cool, new and unique to do. We just finished a thing for an aquarium that um, was a it's a, a Captain Nemo style undersea adventure that we did a 3D animation for um, that was across 120 feet of the inside of this uh, and, and just trying to engineer that and figure out how to do that. And that's the kind of thing. Um, and I, I don't think I'm, it's not just them. I don't want to make it all about them because all of our clients kind of have that same. They're, they're entrepreneurs, they're visionary uh, people. And when and we get super excited when they start kind of talking about what they want to do and how they want to create. And so um, that just kept me hooked. I mean, hooked. I mean, why would you not? And we've been to several engaging meetings with you guys. And what a great group, right? Anytime you go to these attractions meetings, it's just a great group of people. Um, and so uh, why would I want to do anything else? Like we, we do a, a few things here and there when people ask us to, but it's really something that we're, we're not only knowledgeable, but very passionate about and, and very, very lucky to be in this business. Sometimes it's not lucky when you have a hurricane that rolls through and wipes out a few uh, uh, attractions or, or uh, pandemics. I mean, there are challenges. It's not all, you know, roses, but it is, uh, it's something that that's, I think it's the best that you can do in, in our career marketing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'll just say that I, I have some fond memories from the early 90s of the Contour train in, in Key West uh, as, as a child and then even as an adult later later on of, of doing that multiple times. So it's kind of cool to uh, to hear that part of the story there. I, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the difficult times and uh, hurricanes coming through, uh, through, through Florida, obviously, and, uh, and, and other geographic regions as well. Pandemic, which of course has hit the entire industry. I, how has that I would say influenced advertising. I, you know, I, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic in, in March of 2020, I, I read uh, 
an article that says like now is not the time to stop marketing because so many people yeah. were just were just halting altogether. Uh, but it it had to be a, a different language, a completely different tone, whether you were open or not, and, and and all of that. So would love if if you can share a little bit of how you've helped your clients be able to to navigate just these these uncharted waters the last couple of years. Well, it's been heck since I'm not going to start cursing on your podcast. Um, the we have, I don't know if it's a fortunate or unfortunate, a bit of experience in managing around natural disasters. In fact, um, I wrote an article for Ad Week and I, I do presentations in and around hurricane season to groups just kind of talking about how marketing needs to have a seat at the table. Um, and what ends up happening is a lot of the planning around stuff like that has to do on the operation side, which we can't, <clears throat> excuse me, we can't do our business without the operational side of the business. But uh, oftentimes they don't include marketing in decisions. So we have for many, many, many years, because you asked the question about marketing through, uh, you know, pandemic and other things, we said, get a seat at the table, please. And here's a plan to talk to your operations and your sales and your entire team what is going to happen when something negative happens and what, what step one, step two, step three. Now there's a lot of fundamental things that we talk to our clients about. We, we look at their POS systems. We look at, you know, uh, employees, we look at training, we look at, we, we look at a whole bunch of things because if the operation doesn't run well, and if it's not a, an enjoyable uh, experience, none of the marketing is going to matter. Right. But also introducing to the to the to the folks out there that are interested in your product you need marketing you have to have they go hand in hand so uh, one of the things i talk about is you've got to include yourself in the meetings the, the operations meeting and say what are we going to do during a hurricane so um the last hurricane event that we had to deal with we we said you've got to no matter what and we had already set our clients up we had them with this was before the hurricane even hit we had them with satellite uh, communication devices satellite radios so that they could talk um, and, and communicate out and some of them didn't have social media but the ones that did we were like communicate no matter what even if it's a problem and you've something has been messed up or whatever communicate and get it out there and let people know we had more views, more interest in social media, more people that care. And it was a caring brand connecting with a caring group of people. Um, that is really, really tough to kind of come by with just traditional marketing, right? We always think about the traditional marketing. Um, and we were like, show your potential, your community and your potential guests what you're all about. Uh, we had clients that were that kept people on payroll, even though they had they couldn't operate their business for months. Um, we had people that were opening up and giving out water. Like so, those are great, great opportunities. You're taking a really bad situation. So, um, uh, always have a have a communication plan around that, and make sure it is that your your marketing team is marketing, but it's not in the traditional sense. Um, you're just letting people know that you you exist and that you're human as a corporation and you're you're trying to get through it. And believe me, you will get a ton of help. Um, and the other thing regarding the pandemic, well, I've been through it all. Like we we literally had our home and our office destroyed by Hurricane Andrew in 92. 
I won't say I've been through it all because that's 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 a, <laughs> that's a jinx in and of itself. Been through a lot, <laughs> as have most. Um, and we have seen the ups and downs and the dot com busts and the and the housing, et cetera. I have never seen anything like the pandemic and how it wreaked havoc on our clients and um, really just exhausted mentally and physically. We we were taken from what our norm was and we were you know, kind of restricted at home and people kind of had to get used to that. I mean, you see how we've kind of reinvented so many ways of communication now. And that that happened as fast as it's happened um, in any time that I can think of where it wasn't something that was, uh, you know, even hurricanes are somewhat isolated in a small area. This was global, right? So everybody had to get used to that. And how they were communicating around it, some of the stuff from the hurricane, we we're like, just tell people what's happening. Let them know if you're open or closed. Let them know what your intention is. Um, and the, I would say the biggest challenge um, is, so we have clients in, in many, many states from California to DC to Key West. We had clients in Key West that had the busiest two years they've ever had in the record, you know, because of how, how Florida was open. And many, many in the state of Florida had incredible, did incredible numbers. And then we have other states that they don't know what, how many guests they're allowed to have. They have a lot of conditionals before they could even open up their business. And so the pressure on all of these folks to try to run a business, it's kind of unprecedented in trying to develop a marketing plan and going, can we have half capacity next month? Are we allowed to have full capacity? Can we hire? Are they going to close us down if we're a museum? Or you know, how are we going to enforce this? I think it's amazing how our industry responded to that, right? I think, I don't think you can oversell the pressure that the marketing and operation teams were on and, and the staff and, and the ownership to try to get all that stuff to come together. And so, um, you know, it, you asked the question, how did we, you know, kind of handle that around the pandemic? Well, it depended on who it was. Um, our clients that were doing well, um, you know, let me just say this, we don't make any more money. So I, I want to preface what I'm about to say, if you increase your media budget, because we don't make a commission out, we, we, we put it to wherever the media is. Our customers that were in areas that were busy, we said, you need to spend more. And they were like, what are you talking about? We're doing busy. We're very busy. And I said, do you have occupancy? And do you have staffing? If you do, we, you need to spend more and here's why, because now you're, you're after people's vacation time, which is critical. And we have methods now where we can target people before they ever get into town. And it's a very reasonably cost uh, investment. And so let's say you're up 15 to 20%. Well, would, would you like to be up 30 to 40? And that initial, so it's almost like a math problem where we can show them. And then because most of it is digital, we do testing and we find out pretty much right away. Um, is it working? Is it a proof of concept? Is this thing working? And then the interesting thing, and this is no disrespect to the OTAs, uh, the, you know, the Expedias and, and uh, Travelocity, et cetera. Um, but a lot of folks just put all of their interest in that and say, we're just going to let them. And I have to remind them, it is absolutely part of your portfolio that you need to you know, invest in in marketing, but understand it's, it's 20 to 30% um, of an investment for that. And so 
we, we try to show them other ways to kind of supplement that where there is, um, uh, you're not putting everything in one channel. And, um, and that's, that's a really important thing to do. And so we had clients in the busy side of things that were just doing and still are doing incredibly well. And increasing the advertising, in fact, did, you know, the marketing that was out there did, in fact, absolutely exceed all of the goals that we set. And then the clients that are in the areas that were not able to open up, it was a real struggle. Washington, D.C., we're, we're, we're finally seeing things that are just picking up in D.C., but it was a long time in D.C., and they have to deal with street closures and all sorts of things that you just never know are going to crop up. And that group really, really had it the toughest. And uh, actually, some of my favorite people, clients are up there. And, um, you know, they had to lay off a lot of really good people. And now they're kind of coming back into it. But again, my main thing is to continue to communicate the situation that you're in. Um, don't make it political, just state the situation. You know, this is what's happening. Um, and continue to lay the foundation because when it comes back and we knew this when it comes back it's going to come back in a big way because folks have been isolated and they have been inside and they're going to be ready to do what we are what we're doing and i'll end it with what's great about it is um and i get a lot of email because we every client i all of their feedback actually comes into my inbox so i get to, to read stuff and the, and the emails and the letters for people getting out of the house and getting to do things of these experiences, museums, tours, attractions, it is a, they are so happy to be out there. And, and they share it, um, not only just posting it out on the review sites, but actually directly back to the clients. And it is kind of a great kind of, uh, you know, these people that have worked so hard to keep their businesses open. It's just great to see that what we do um, is uh, it, 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 I don't know if it changes people's lives, but people work 11 months out of the year, maybe even longer to, to come and enjoy what our clients have to offer. And getting that kind of feedback after you've come out of that challenge is a pretty, pretty special thing. Wow. Yeah. John, there's a lot to unpack there. So yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. You, you don't mind. If <laughs> that I was like a bit to... of a filibuster, right? No, if you don't, if, I'm going to go take a nap. And then uh, I'll, I'll let all that absorb. Um, but I do. I would go, join you virtually. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I do want to go back to something you talked about um, that you you really kind of struck my um, my center, if you will, when you talked about marketing having a seat at the table. Because often we talk about HR needs to have a seat at the table, right? And I think there's a lot of parallels between what marketing and advertising do to communicate to people and and gather interest that we need to do in HR, right? I mean, it's, it's just a different group of people. And you mentioned that you sometimes work with, you know, employees and look at the training. Can you talk a little bit about how marketing and HR might be able to work better together um, so that they're not, you know, in their, in their silos, you know, HR is doing their thing, marketing is doing their thing. I think there's a lot of synergies that we're not taking advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. So I saw a bunch of relationships where they were actually against each other when we come into the to the, the situation where they're it's kind of us and them and so the first thing is to put everybody have, having a seat at the table and have routine meetings where you include everybody so that they get their talking points out when groups divide 
um, that creates the divisiveness that that can really kind of bring down an organization. So, and it's even more challenging um, with uh, the remote workplace. Um, and so, you really have to first off invite all of those people to the seat of the table at the table. And then, when you're implementing something, for example. If you've got a review program and process where comment cards come in online, however you do it, and it comes in through the marketing department, let's say, because oftentimes that sort of stuff is set up through them. Um, and they're coming in as the marketing department and getting in front of the staff and saying, you guys need to do all this stuff better. Um, it, it, what do you think is going to happen in that situation? It's going to be it's going to be a bit of a, a, you know, us against them mentality. So. You, you really have to set up systems in place uh, in and around that where, yes, information gathering is important and we need to know how we're doing, but all of the systems of communication and who does what, um, it's really important that you kind of get that laid out in, in, in a process chart um, so that there isn't like who's supposed to be doing that, who's supposed to be do, doing this, and then decisions are made around the table with a group. Obviously, there has to be a head manager that says, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, but bringing in that group idea um, is, 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 you know, is critical. And then continuing to have those meetings, to, you know, on a routine basis, don't make it, make it just every once in a while. Um, and it's on a routine basis. So that, again, to reiterate, the biggest thing I see is the divide when there are different departments and they're all going to a central boss kind of relaying to her what their problem is and this side is relaying what this problem is and they're not all meeting together um, so it really creates some tension that just isn't necessary when we get into um, kind of our initial consultation i want to meet with all of those folks i really want to understand all the pain points we want to because again if that's not working i don't care how great a job we do um, it's it's going to fail and so there are uh, one of our clients that uh, I can think of uh, that's, uh, you know, we came in and advised them on everything from, you know, uniforms that they were wearing. We did some surveys around what people were kind of concerned about and brought all those teams in and, and kind of made decisions around that, like what were the, what were the next steps? So um, I think that would be the biggest uh, thing is uh, communication and connection with those teams. That's so interesting. And, uh, and I think it, it even touches kind of on, on marketing, HR and leadership, and then guest experience, which is something that I'm, I'm passionate yeah. and, and I focus on a lot. So Matt asked the question about HR. I'll look at it from a different lens and ask about it from, you know, from guest experience. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is about meeting and exceeding a guest's expectations. So marketing and advertising obviously plays such a large role in being able to do that. And uh, one of the things I, I, I say, or, or I, I believe is that the phrase under promise and over deliver is probably not the favorite phrase of, of anyone in, in marketing or advertising. Uh, but at the same time, I also feel like I've seen instances where an advertising campaign for a certain business, regardless of what industry, might be a little bit inflated compared to the experience. So it's, uh, it's with the goal of driving business in. So it's, it's accomplishing that. Uh, but then the guest experience and operations team might have a, a more challenging time being able to meet or exceed that. So I, I guess the, the question that comes out of it is, how do you make sure that you are helping your clients set the correct expectation for the guest who's coming in? 
Um, that, that never happens. We never make that mistake. So no, I'm just kidding. It, it is absolutely a thing. We have made a mistake in, but I always tell people the story like, and I don't mean to call out Disney World because they're fantastic. I love them. I think Matt might be visiting them, you know, sometime soon. And the, um, but they show the family walking down Main Street, holding hands. It's a beautiful blue sky. Um, and there's not a lot of crowds, right? And the reality in August is it can be very hot and it can be very crowded. And, um, you know, recently you couldn't even get real close to the characters, right? So there's, there's this expectation thing and it's always a challenge. Um, so how we do it is we say, look, what are we on our best day? And you might not like this answer, but this is my marketing answer. Um, how are we on our best day? Because I'm not going to show in marketing a, um, a scene where it's pouring down raining and it's a thunderstorm and we got washed out for that day um, and, the, and the food wasn't prepared correctly. So where are we on our best day? And let's strive as a team you know, to, to, to meet that, right. Or exceed that. Right. But it isn't, you don't want to put something that isn't true. So we have, I mean, I, I don't, we don't have enough time to kind of talk about the mistakes over the year, but that we've made over the years, but just if you're, you know, if you're showing, you know, animals in a, in a zoo, you got to show the right animals. You got to show, um, you know, things that they're actually going to see, you know, they, we, there, there are mistakes, even that fundamental that marketing firms, uh, can can make and then you certainly don't want to show something that's impossible that you're 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 not ever going to see um, but we've got water sports companies and, and I can tell you there are some days where you can't see the reef the the the, the coral reef and it's murky and you, there's no fish out there and there's some days where it's like a paradise and so it is a challenge do you show the murky underwater stuff or do you show what is the best possibility of the day um, and so it is a fine line. And then you measure what happens because like I said, we, we get the, if, if somebody says, this is not at all what I was promised. And they're talking to the team about that. And they're put, putting comments cards, then the marketing is totally ineffective at that, in that case. And you, you, you know, people understand when it rains at Disney, but they don't understand if you showed them something that they just never could get. Uh, and, and that's where, we, we try to be accurate with our advertising. We're only showing what's there, not inflating it, but showing it on its best day. Um, and, um, and so I think particularly, you know, recently we've had, like I can remember actually getting a reef shot that was from the barrier, Great Barrier Reef and not Florida. We put that on a stock, you know, didn't research that properly. So, and, and we found out really quickly, if you put up a fish that isn't native to a particular, somebody's going to say that's not native. So you, you've got to be a lot smarter about that. And I think we've done a, a, a better job, not perfect, but I think we've done a, a much better job. Um, but again, show your best day, but don't show something that you don't have and you can't ever have. So, John, I want to know who to talk to because you said it rains at Disney and I just didn't think that ever happened. So <laughs> I want to know who to, who to complain to. No, but I, I do think this kind of leads into something I've been wondering about. And it, it mentioned it in your in your bio about helping your guests or your clients exceed their goals, which they could be guest goals. They could be employee goals. They could be marketing goals. But do all of your clients really know what those goals are, right? Or is that something you have to help kind of bring to the table in terms of, hey, you're the expert, you're the consultant, 
you kind of help them navigate that wa those waters. Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's a relationship and each relationship is different. And there are the needs, we have family owned organizations, organizations that have boards of directors. So it's, it's a little bit of a, of a, you know, a wide ranging uh, thing, but we try to do our research, right, initially before we even have our first meeting to kind of understand the outsider perspective. And then our first meetings are really kind of listening to their business challenges. And some of that in, in, incorporates marketing and some of it is just general business challenges. M most of it is, right? Um, and so after we listen, then um, if we see areas of opportunity, we'll come back and make some suggestions. I'm going to tell you a lot of times people really know what their issues are. They just need kind of somebody else to confirm that to them. Um, and then there are a lot of um, folks that don't understand the technology around it, which we try to actually come in and support them and set up systems around the technology that can help them with that. But for the most part, um, we come in, do that first analysis, and then we come back with um, a, a, a bit of a marketing plan outline for them. And it may be 15 pages, but we try to distill all of the, their goals and, and needs. And then ones that we've created, uh, we set goals on ourselves, like this is how much more uh, ticket, uh, tickets we can have, more passengers or more guests. Um, revenue increases, opening up new opportunity channels. And so we'll bring in some of that and then um, show them and show them the reason why this might be applicable to them. And, and, and then I would say for the most part, um, we get very a high level of buy-in. Um, and just because we can show a lot of comparables and, and come in and, and do stuff uh, that um, is tracking it. And, and one of the things that I just kind of went over that I'm surprised at how many folks don't have, don't watch their sales channels. So how many of you getting, how, how much, how, how are sales online? So you have concierge sales that are coming through concierge. How about outside sales? Um, and we, we, one of the first things we do is we break all those sales channels out. Um, and so they understand where their revenue, and then we try to track it as best we can. And there's a certain amount of things you can't track. Um, and it's okay to have brand, you know, you, you don't want it all in direct response. You do want some brand building, um, a significant, you know, you want a, a good amount of brand building, but even those channels, there's reasonable ways to, to track them. Um, and all of that really is a more comfortable shift when we're, you're advising a change to anybody, because, it isn't, I mean, the olden days, and I do remember the olden days, um, there was, you, you couldn't track anything and it was revenue that you might find out, you know, six months later. And so there was a lot of this, you know, stuff that had to go in there. There was a lot of faith, which, you know, you have to have a little of that for sure, um, but no real, no real statistics to back it up. And so um, when we do that, we can really move brands um, with their help to, to, uh, to, to reach those goals. And it's a combination of the, of us and them kind of coming up with those, um, those, those goals. That's really interesting. Um, so switching gears just a little bit here, one of the things that we wanted to jump into too is uh, your relationship with the profit on CNBC and, and Marcus, Marcus Lemonis. And I think that that's just a, a really interesting conversation. We'd love to know how that came about and what ha that has been like for you working with the show. It was a great experience. I, I didn't really know much about television. I definitely have a face for radio, as they say. So I, 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 
I didn't know what I was getting into. The producer called me. They had they found us through some recommendations and the producer called me a few years ago and said, would you be interested in doing this? Turns out, I think a lot of small business people just like that show in general. So I had watched that show. It's, it's very interesting. Um, and uh, would you be interested? And I said, well, I, okay, tell me a little bit more about it. And they said, well, we would be having you come in. There's a, the Housewives of Miami, one of the stars from the Housewives of Miami, we want you to help redo her brand. And I said, wait a minute, like, I don't want to get involved in drama television. I can just see that sort of thing happening. Um, and uh, they coaxed me into it. And it sounded like a pretty exciting thing. First time I met Marcus was when we started filming that first episode. Um, and it was with Anna Kinkosis, who um, owns a, a brand called Skinny Latina. Um, turns out that... Um, both episodes they've filmed and in, in right behind here, um, I, something I said made both of the people cry. So I guess it was good for, for television because they like to do the big aha reveal. And so um, with Anna, we revealed her new branding, which she did not like at all because she was used to her others. And then in, which didn't air on the episode, they actually called her daughter. She called her daughter and said, what do you think of this? And, and her daughter said, well, mom, it was hard for us to tell you this, but we never liked your old brand. This is gorgeous. Go. <laughs> and, and I was sitting there like shaking and stuff. And Anna, you know, cried when we revealed it. Uh, and it was not tears of joy. Um, now she's one of my good friends. Uh, we, I, I, she is fantastic. She's one of the hardest working people you'll ever meet. Um, and, um, and just, it was a really great experience. And we've done subsequently with another group called the Krabby Shack up in, in New York. Um, and so subsequent to that, Marcus liked, uh, we liked working with each other. And so we got additional camping world and then we redid his learning center and his, uh, his people told me, you know, it's like drinking from a fire hose. When Marcus turns his attention, he does not sleep. He's a mega genius in many ways. And so it is all on all the time. And you, I mean, he, that's why he's been so successful. I mean, it really is. He, he, he is, um, and it allowed us to do some pretty great things that were not necessarily in our niche, but uh, his learning center, which we created at marcuslimonis.com is just a free business learning center because he's, I don't think people have the fundamentals of business and I want to put this out. And he, he spent quite a bit of money uh, producing that. So it, all in all, it's been a great uh, experience, um, but I don't think reality TV is for me. I don't know how much more of those things I'll do. We'll see. This is enough being here in the hotel room with Matt. Uh, right. It's salacious <laughs> enough for me. I don't know if I right. want to. <laughs> well, if, if you keep making people cry, you will have a, a career that will last eons. I, I guarantee. Yeah, I, I hear Jerry Springer is retiring. So maybe that, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll do. I'll take over that role. Yeah, it's another niche you can you can find That's yourself right. in. Um, I have sort of a maybe an off the wall question, but it's something that, that fascinates me about people that are, you know, in a specific lane like yourself in, in terms of advertising and marketing. How does someone in advertising advertise themselves? Poorly. We're terrible. <laughs> we are terrible at it. Um, it's, the, it's, <laughs> it's the shoemaker. It's the shoemaker's children. I mean, we we it is it's a it's a pain stress point for me. Actually, it really is. Um, through the last couple of years, we have spent so much time triaging our clients' business 
I haven't even, we haven't even spent a second, um, you know, uh, really, really thinking about our own marketing. And so, yes, there are ways to do that. You're supposed to, you're supposed to have in-house teams that are dedicated to that. Um, and it, it's like, I look, I don't ever go in and say I'm great at everything. And I can tell you, we, we need some major improvement in that area. It is, it is really now I think, I think our website is beautiful and, 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 but how we go and we outreach, um, that's, that's a thing. It's let's see that for the future. Let's say that that for the future is going to be a big point of improvement for me. So I have a bit of a, maybe it's a, a tactical question. Maybe it's, it's just terminology, but we've used the word marketing and we've used the word advertising a lot kind of interchangeably. And is there a, a distinct difference between the two terms? Well, to simplify it and there, you could look it up and it can confuse you even more, by the way, when you read the definitions, but, um, and, and, and I've actually gotten a little pushback on this. Uh, I was sitting next to a marketing professor from uh, a college and, um, we were talking marketing and um, we had a little bit of a disagreement on this. And, and um, uh, my one thing is I said, how many years have you worked in marketing? Well, not never. Um, so you've just been on the theory side of it. Right. And, and which is important. And so on the real side of it, we, we look at like um, the action of marketing really is all the planning and the strategy um, and, and the science that goes behind placing and putting the, the advertising out there, right? That's kind of how we look at it. So, um, you know, advertising in its its pure sense, you know, is really just putting putting marketing materials or, you know, excuse me, advertising materials out there in the world. And so that's just my simplest way. Um, if you read the definitions, I think you you might be more con confused and, and actually be able to, to, to come away with an answer. So for the client, because we're so cute in the creative side of things, we keep changing the names of what we do. And uh, there's a whole thing to say, take marketing and advertising even out of your title of your name. Um, and so from, from a point of view of a, uh, a client, right, because they're, they're hiring, most firms call themselves marketing and advertising. The advertising folks tend to also have the ability to be a little more full service and create some of the ads and do the production work, and which is what we do and why we kind of call ourselves an advertising agency. Would you agree with that? I want to hear your opinion. This is, it feels very like a one-sided conversation. Yeah. I, I want to enter in the back half of this. Can I just interview both of you guys? Of course. We'd love that. Okay, good, good. Well, let's answer yeah. your question. Yeah, I, I think it. What made a lot of sense is is saying marketing is the science of where to put your advertising. So yeah. kind of the the strategy, kind of determining where the where the yeah. specific yeah. elements yeah. are going. And really, when you look at the history of advertising, what's really stemmed from you know PR is it was just about media placement. I mean, they didn't make any money on strategy. They didn't make any money on creative. It was just like where can I put this advertising? Right. So it was. It was all about the advertising and not as much about the science um, that it is today. I mean, and, and, and I've seen that even just in the last 10 years, not to mention the last 30 some years. So John, early on in our conversation, which seems like it was like a year ago, there's been so yeah. much great stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, you mentioned failures and then you said, we don't have time to get into all of them, but I'm wondering <laughs> if you can, if you can narrow it down to one favorite failure where maybe you said, oh, 
the light bulb moment, I've learned something from this and I'll never do that again, or just something that, you know, we can kind of say, hey, that's a, that's a great learning point for John and we can maybe learn something too. I try, I try to put those away in a place. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so as, I mean, there are a lot on behalf of the client and we, we try to partition that off so that they're not, um, you know, and I, I don't even know if they were called failures because when you, if you're doing AB testing, one of those isn't going to work. And so is that a failure or were you just testing something? So I probably use failures as a little, little strongly. So there's every day we are learning something new and we're saying, Hey, what worked two years ago isn't working now, let's shift this. And that's happened a lot across the board. I think as a business owner, um, you know, my attention to, um, as we've rolled out departments here, um, we, it, it, we did a whole thing where we decided we wanted to be programmers on top of that, right? So we already do development and programming and simple app stuff, but like where we were doing massive you know, applications for big, big clients. And that was a division that we had. Um, it is just not a thing that I liked in the end. It wasn't a thing that I think we particularly were the best at. And so, um, and I, and I, it, when you're in business, you tend to be dogged and gritty and you want to power through stuff. But sometimes you have to say this, this isn't working. It isn't for us. And so that, although it actually ended up being a successful software, was not successful um, for me in, in, in a business sense or in a mental sense um, to, to go down that road. So, um, you know, the two parts of that, just doing it in the first place. And the second part is letting it go on longer than it should have gone on because I don't like to quit. Um, and so that usually you could circle a few things in that category where I'm like, let me stick with this. Let me stick with this. That could be for employees that I think I can turn around that are that are not necessarily fits for our agency, clients that are not fits for us um, in those relationships. So I think that that um, that opens up um, uh, uh, you know a few of those things that we'll call uh, opportunities to change. There you go and learn. Excellent. John, this has been uh, such a fascinating conversation. I feel like we could easily keep going for a very long time. But in the meantime, if people want to get a hold of you directly or they want to learn more about Black Dog, where would you send them? Blackdogadvertising.com. And if you can't spell advertising, you could go to blackdogad.com. But I think they can figure out how to spell Black Dog Advertising. And where does the name Black Dog come from? You got to tell us. Oh, you buried the lead on that one. So... <laughs> In college, I had, for whatever reason, got a black lab puppy, um, and he grew up to be about 105 pounds, and he came to class with me. He was actually, some of my professors allowed him back in the day, um, you know, and there was no service dog uh, thing back then, but he allowed, they allowed me to come, and so um, after college, he lived 16 years, um, after college, everybody would ask me how he was doing. They didn't care about me. He was just like the, the campus dog. And, and, and so um, when my wife and I were thinking of a name for this organization, we uh, decided to honor him um, with the name. And so that's where Black Dog came from, a, uh, our Black Lab. Awesome. Cool. Love dog stories. So yes. Uh, and dog. now we have, by the way, now we yeah. have a beagle. So go, go oh. figure. We, we, we have a cinnamon and white dog uh, adopted and uh, we do need to get a black dog. Everybody gives me grief about that. So, right. Well, 
cinnamon and white advertise dog advertising doesn't quite roll <laughs> off the tongue like black dog does i don't think so you're right so, well john this has been uh, a wonderful conversation thank you again for your time uh we really do appreciate it and for everybody out there who's watching and listening just remember we are all attraction pros thanks for listening to the attraction pros podcast Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release, and even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.